Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. This is the word of the Lord. This I recall to my mind, and therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning, and great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I have hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone, and that keepeth silence, because he hath borne it unto him. He putteth his mouth to, uh, to, in the dust, if so be there, there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He filled the fool with reproach. The Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, he will yet have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not inflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. He crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth. To turn aside the right of a man, off a man before the face of the, of the Most High. To subvert a man in his cause, the Lord approveth not. Who is he that saith, as it cometh to pass, when the Lord Lord commanded him not? Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. Wherefore doth the living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Let us search and try their ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. We have transgressed and rebelled, thou hast not pardoned. Thou hast covered with anger and thou persecuted us. Thou hast slain, thou hast not pitied. Thou hast covered thyself with a cloud that our prayer should not pass through. Thou hast made us as, as an offscoring and, and take refuge in the midst of people. Or our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Fear and snares come upon us, desolation and destruction. When I went down to the rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people, my eyes trickled down and ceased not without, without any intermission, till the Lord looked down and behold from heaven. But I, my, my, my eyes have affected my heart because of all the daughters of my city. My enemies chased me sore like a bird without cause. They have cut off my life in the dungeon and have cast a stone in the water. Waters flew over my head, there, then I said, I am cut off. I called upon the name of, I called upon thy name, O Lord, out of the little dungeon. When I was heard my voice, hide not thine ear, and my breath, at my breathing, at my crying. I drew near in the day that I called upon thee. Thou saidst, Fear not. O Lord, thou hast pleaded the cause of, of my soul, thou sir, hast redeemed my life. O Lord, thou hast seen my wrong, judge thou my cause. Thou hast seen all their vengeance and all their, all their sick imaginations against me. Thou hast heard their reproach, O Lord, and all their imaginations against me. The lips of those who rose up against me and their device, device against me all the day. Behold, they're sitting down and they're rising up. I am, I am their music. Render unto them, them, Lord, uh, render unto them like a recompense, O Lord, 
according to the work of her hands, give them sorrow of heart, thy curse unto them, persecute and destroy them in anger from under the heavens of the Lord. End the reading there, and we pray God's blessing of the Lord. Let's take a moment and still our hearts again and ask God's presence and His blessing as we look at His work together. <coughs> Father, we just pray now that you would still our hearts, still our hearts from all that has occupied our minds and our thoughts, Lord, in the week that has been. Lord, again, Lord, clear our minds and our hearts again, Lord, in all that is maybe beginning to occupy our thoughts of, of the week ahead. And Father, just pray for these few moments together this morning. Come and meet with us, Lord, and come and bless us, we pray. Father, we ask and receive with you. I want to really focus in on those five familiar words in Lamentations 3.23 and 24 this morning. Those, very, those words that I'm sure you've read quite often, you've maybe quoted quite often, and they're probably some of the most well-known verses, or most quoted verses maybe as believers um, here this morning. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because His compassion fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. These verses that are quoted quite often, verses that are quoted quite well, and, and verses that we quote easily, isn't it? We, we thank God this morning for His faithfulness, don't we thank God this morning for His mercies? But what's, what's wonderful about this passage is when we look at it in the context of what Jeremiah is writing in. Jeremiah, it's only, that, it's only through that that we actually grasp the greatness of Jeremiah's words. Jeremiah is writing in, writing in a context that he's known as the weeping prophet. I'm sure you know that. He's known as the weeping prophet, and, and he's he's weeping prophet for very good reasons. He's witnessing he's witnessing the destruction of the great city of Jerusalem, that city of God, that city that that, that was a light set on the hill, that city with all its glorious splendor, that city with all its majesty. He's sitting and he's witnessing the destruction of that city, and he's witnessing all the desolations. Maybe he's witnessing something like what I'm sure you've seen on the news when you've witnessed all that's going on in the 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 land of Ukraine at the moment. When you see the absolute devastation. And that's and that's even it's probably not even strong enough word, isn't it not? When we see Mario Poe, when we see Odessa, when we see all those cities and they've been literally led to waste. Well, someone said, even if the war in Ukraine was over in the morning, the folks have nothing to go to. They have no homes to go to. They have no jobs to go home to. They have no, no nothing to go home to. And we just see the up, up, absolute desolation. Probably that will give you a picture in your mind in, in a sense of what Jeremiah is seeing all around him as he writes Lamentations. Yet in the midst of when he sees the city that has been plundered of its people, a city that's been plundered of its, of its wealth, of its treasures. In his, he sees a city that's nearly in rubble again. And yet he writes these words, Through the Lord's mercy we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail out there near the morning. Great is his faithfulness. It's the most wonderful talking about the mercies of God and life's good, isn't it? It's wonderful getting up, and up, up in the morning and saying, Great is God's faithfulness, faithfulness to me this morning. My family's well, my children are well, my business is well, my bank account is well, my house is well, and my mortgage is all those things. So I keep talking about those things, and God's faithfulness, and that, that God's mercy, when things are good. But 
But as I say, you right here in a context where things are physically turned upside down, physically having flattened. So, starting the one and really ask, what is the mercy of God? What does the mercy of God look like in, in, in relation to your life and to my life today? What does it look like? Maybe in times of trial or, or maybe in times of personal struggle, it's hard to feel close to the mercy of God. Maybe the mercy of God for you this morning feels far away. But you know, when trials come and struggles come and difficulties come, it's important to realise that we need to think rightly of God. We need to think rightly of his nature and rightly of his characteristics. So what does mercy mean this morning? How, how would you define the word mercy? Well, no grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy has often been explained as getting what we don't deserve. Or sorry, not getting what we don't deserve. It means to show favour to someone or, or, or to something that doesn't deserve it with regards to judgment. It means to show favour to someone or something that, that doesn't deserve it with regards to judgment. So if we're a people this morning, if you're a believer this morning, if you're a Christian this morning, you're someone that has received the mercy. Or someone that has received that mercy. So ultimately that means there's a point in time that we deserve the wrath of God. Or we deserve the judgment of God in our lives. Before being recipients of the mercy of God or the steadfast love of God. The word mercy can also be translated the word, as, as the word steadfast love. This is why Jeremiah is saying that the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. What do you make you do? I, 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 I want you to work this morning. I want you to turn to the book of Habakkuk this morning. Turn to the book of Habakkuk. Let me just read a few verses for you. Just keep turning right, and, and you'll come to the book of Habakkuk. These verses this morning. There's a few, a few passages I want to go this morning. What is the trouble from saying for yourself? Picture one later on the page, and maybe later on you can go back and read these verses again. So, Habakkuk chapter 1. Habakkuk's that, that very familiar book. Um, if you don't know much of Habakkuk, I'm sure most of you will will will, will, will know the last of Habakkuk. The end, end of Habakkuk says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, and all the rest, we all know the of that verse. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. I want you to grasp something of the greatness of God this morning. And then I will show you the greatness of, of his, his mercy. Habakkuk 1, verse 12. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. O many God, thou hast established them for, for correction. There are pure eyes and behold evil, and cast not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that be treacherously, and holdest thy, thy tongue when the wicked devour at the man that is more righteous than he? If God is holy, and he is, then it follows that no sin can be in his presence. It follows that no sin can, can enter into the presence of God. It says here that. Habakkuk tells us he's of pure eyes and to be evil. 
And yet Habakkuk can say when he says all those things about God that he's a pure eyes and the old evil. He says, O oh Lord my God, the Holy One, we shall not die. The word here translated mercy, in fact, here in Lamentation, it is the word hesed. It carries the meaning of loyalty and devotion. It carries the meaning of loyalty within relationship or devotion within relationship or faithfulness within relationships. And it, it relates here generally in the Bible and here as well to God making a covenant with his people. God making that promise. God making that covenant promise with his people and God being the author of that promise. That's why when Jeremiah writes, writes in like, like verse 22, the word Lord is in capital letters. That's, that's the covenant making God. That's the God. That's the promise making God. It's based on the idea, on the concept of fidelity. It's just based on the faithfulness of, or, of, or, or the idea of faithfulness within like a relationship. It's based on trust. They so ask, you know, often here today, we often hear the phrase, who can we trust? You know, the one thing as believers and as Christians, we the one person we can trust this morning is that we can trust the Lord. When we know his characteristics, when we know his nature, and when we read about him in the word, we know what he is like, is he's the one that we can trust. People can fail. Friendships can fail. Relationships can fail. But with God, God will not fail us when we know, us, when we know who he is and we know what his word teaches about him. And here in the scripture, and here in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, God had covenanted with the people of Israel. God had covenanted with the people of Israel. He says that I will be your God and you will be my people. I will be the one that will look after you. I will be the one that care for you. I will be the one that believes you. And you will be the ones that will come and follow me and come and serve me. But the problem was Israel was neither faithful nor, did they, nor, nor were they loyal to them. They, they ran after other gods. They, they sinned constantly, constantly like they against them. And they were constantly unfaithful to God. I go way back to the time of the Exodus and, uh, and through, through, through all the wilderness wanderings. No matter how many times through Moses God showed them miraculous things, no matter how many times God provided for them, no, no matter how many times God cared for them and, and uh, protected them, they very quickly wandered far, far from them. Then they entered the promised land. And they were led for many years under the time of Joshua. And yet Joshua had to say in his closing address to them, Choose you this day whom you will serve. Even though God had taken them out, taken them out of the land of Egypt, even though they, they, he, had, he had provided for them the 40 years wandering in the wilderness, even though he had taken them into the, into the promised land and given the land, divided the land up and given the land flowing with milk and honey, given the land that they hadn't. Been, and plant the crops and for the first year the harvest was already there for them. And yet through all those years, Joshua still had to say, Choose you this day whom you will serve. And then after Joshua we had the time of the time of the judges. And the uh, and the spirituality of the nation during the time the judges ebbed and flowed, it peaked and it dropped. <coughs> when there was a good judge or, or when the when the people sinned and they were put on the suppression of the enemies, God sent the judge to bring them back, to lead them, and while the judge was there, they followed the Lord, and the judge left, and the judge died. The people then went back after their sinful ways. 
the ebb and the flow, the spirituality went up and down. Now, when you're starting, what's your spirituality like? Is it good on a Sunday? And then is it, it, does it dwindle as it goes from Monday to Friday? Or are you taking time to faithfully be in His Word on a daily basis? Simply feed yourself from God's Word and to keep that good walk with Him. God would constantly warned them. If I, 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 I constantly, I will be your God and you will be my people. But he warned them. If you continually have habitually sin and keep turning away from me, I will judge you. And we know that happened. If you know your Bible, you know that happened. Because they, they were sent into, at, at this time of Jeremiah, they were sent into exile. Because they were continually faithful in God's judgments. And they were sent into the land of Babylon for 70 years. So with all that was happening in Jeremiah's time, with all that was happening and all, all, all that was going on, Israel really need to be reminded that, they were, that their sin was a factor of all that was happening. They thought God had cast them off. They thought God had cast them to the side. They, they thought God, God no longer loved them. But the reality was they were the faithful ones. The reality was that they were the ones that were continually saying, the Lord has not changed. What did you believe that this morning? Do you believe that the God that saved you, do you believe that the God who is your Heavenly Father with whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going on in your present in your personal situation, and do you believe that God hasn't changed? It was possible for Israel's love for God to fail, but it wasn't possible for God's love and God's mercy to fail on the, on the people of Israel. God doesn't change this morning. God doesn't change. So often when we sin, so often when we feel the Lord and maybe our time in His presence, we put it off because we feel that guilt of our sins, but we feel that God won't accept us again. But we forget that God is a God of mercy and He wants to forgive and He wants us to have, have, have that fellowship with Him again. His love doesn't change. His compassion towards us doesn't change. I love singing that second hymn today. I'm, I'm going to take this piece of paper home with me because there's, 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 there's a few verses there that I, I, I haven't heard of that hymn before. But you know what? There's coming a day. There's coming a day. There's coming a day when we'll leave this scene of time and we'll be in the presence of God. And we'll, we'll, I wonder will we think back there? Or I wonder will we, we forget about all, when we, when all the troubles and all the trials? But you know, there's coming a day when we will be in the presence of Simply because of his mercy. Because mercy, God was going to judge judge the people of Israel. God and they were they were cast away for seventy years exile, and the people had this mindset that God had said God had cast them off. God had put them to the side. God wanted nothing more to do with them. But it was it was even in judgment that God's mercy was there. It's even in judgment that God's mercy is there. None of us as children, if you can remember back to being a child and being punished by your parents for doing something wrong, or maybe you're a parent now and you're the one that's guilty of punishing your children, none of us love being punished by our parents. But generally when our parents punished it, it was, it punished us, it was, it was to correct us, it was to bring us back. I often, many times, did, um, I probably got a smack from my mother, Probably more than my father. Oftentimes they get a smack from my mother that was company with a hug as well. Not to be honest, parents, don't we? 
We judge our children, we rebuke our children, we chastise our children, but it's done with the love of a loving parent, just to bring them back, to let them back to follow. The judgment of God would result in exile of God, that would only last for 70 years here. The judgment of God would only last for 70 years, because of mercy God would bring a people back again. He would judge them, he would let them see the error of their ways, and he would bring the remnant back to himself. In fact, they haven't followed the words that we read in verses 43 to 42. It says here, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. We have transgressed and, and rebelled and now it's not pardoned. The problem is that's what they should have done. They should have returned to the Lord. They should have turned their hearts again to God. They should have lifted up their hands unto the Lord. But they haven't. God hadn't pardoned because they hadn't asked for pardon. God had not pardoned because he hadn't. Sometimes the devil wants us to believe that God can't forgive us, doesn't he? Sometimes the devil wants us to believe that that was one sin to you. I love those words in 1 John 1. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. <coughs> so that's mercy in the Old Testament. So the question we ask now is, so what? How does that apply to me now as a New Testament? How does that apply to me in 20, 2022 here, here, here in the Gaze Baptist this morning? And the best place to look, I think, for the how mercy applies to us today is to look at the person of Jesus Christ and how it's connected. I want you to turn with me, please, to the book of Hebrews. Turn, turn over to the New Testament on the book of Hebrews. And chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. The book of Hebrews was written to Jewish believers. It was written to, to Jewish believers to teach them, to inform them, to show them the greatness or the supremacy of, or the supremacy of Christ over what they had known in Judaism. It was to say to them, let go of what you've known in the past and look at the greatness, look at the, the superiority of Christ. That's what the book of Hebrews is all about. There's so many Lovely passages, so many lovely verses through the book of Hebrews, but I want to read Hebrews 2.17. Wherefore in all things, like beloved him, to make, to, to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Hebrews 2.17 refers to Jesus. This is speaking about Jesus. This is speaking about Christ. It refers to Jesus as being a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God. The high priest was the one who once a year entered into the holiest of holies. There he took the sacrifice, there, there he took the sacrifice for the nation and he, and he went into the holiest of holies and he sprinkled the blood of the sacrifice, the blood of atonement for the nation on the mercy seat or on the lid. Of the Ark of the Covenant, there were the, the arms or, or the wings of the cherubim outspread over the top of, of the Ark. And there he sprinkled the blood, so make an offering for the sins of the people. But he, he only do that once a year. <coughs> and, as, and, and, and as high priest Jesus, Jesus emulated that, that was high priest was sinful in himself. He, was, he had to make atonement for himself before he made atonement for the people. But Jesus is our heavenly high priest. 
Jesus, the one who represents us before God, the one who's made that perfect sacrifice for sin, that, the, that sacrifice that remains no more offering for sins. But why is it important here that it says that Jesus is a merciful high priest? Why is it important in the scripture that the writer of Hebrews says that he says of Jesus that he's a merciful high priest? Don't like always or often or even very often talk about politics, but only after having an election, aren't we? I don't know if you had anybody around your doors or whether you don't, didn't want to see anybody around your doors, but I have a few folks around my doors. And you know, and what they're going to promise the sun, moon, and the stars, and what they're going to do for me, and you know what politicians are like at times. Just hope there's nobody here this politician, and I just have to be careful what to say. You know, they, they promise me they're going to do this for me, they're, they're going to do that for you, and all the rest. And yet, how do they really represent us? How does the politician that, that I voted for, or the ones that I voted for, how do they know what it's like to be? How do you know what it's like being you? How do you know what it's like being you? There's often been said to understand someone that we need to walk a mile in their shoes, don't we? Before we judge someone, before we pass comment on someone, we need to walk a mile in the shoes. See life from their perspective. See life from their perspective. Um, I admire, I, I admire, admire my eldest daughter. I might like say that. She's got two young, one toddler, one baby. And how she, how she doesn't fall asleep more often than she does with the work she puts in, with the things she has to do, and it's never ending, it's never ceasing, up three or four nights, or three or four times a, three times a night, and still get herself out in time in the morning. And, and, and I'm only looking on from that as a man. I admire what she can do and all the rest and all this, but I, I, I couldn't do what she does. And yet we have in Christ as a merciful high priest because you can see life from our perspective. You can see life from every one of our perspectives. Look at verse 18 for me there in Hebrews 2. For in, for in that he himself has suffered being, being, being tempted, is able to succor them that are tempted. He knows what it's like to be us. He knows what it's like to be you. He knows what it's like to be me. He knows what it's like to be all, all of us. Turn over to Hebrews 4 and verses 14 and 15. Saying then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. That's so fast our profession. For we have not a high priest who, 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 which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, as, tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Sometimes based on how it's lovely to have saved you this morning. It's lovely to have saved you that, that can show us mercy because it knows what's like for us. It knows the difficulties and the frailties of being human. We can all make promises to God, we can all make promises in our minds that we're going to faithful follow God. From now on in, and we're never going to sin, we're never going to fail, we're never going to slip up, but it's not too far down the line. And we'll find ourselves falling back and failing and slipping and needing to come again for the mercy of God. Turn with me once more to Psalm 103.
Psalm 103 and verses 11 through 14. This is actually some of my favourite words in Scripture, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you in a moment. Psalm 103, verses 11 through 14. For as, the heavens is, for as the heavens is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them to fear him. And notice this, this verse. For he knoweth our frame, he remembers that we are dust. He remembers that we are dust. The ultimate aim of the mercy of God is that God wants us to realise our own personal witnesses, our own tendency to sin. God wants us to realise that. You know, when we look at ourselves this morning, when we Stand in the mirror and we put on our dress, we put on our shirt and ties and all the rest. And we, maybe you look at yourself thinking, I'm looking all right this morning. Or maybe you look at yourself thinking, I'm getting old. Or maybe you look and thought something else. But one day you stand and look at yourself and say, well, you know, nothing but a ball of dust. I'm sure you didn't. But scripture says that he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. I don't know what you do, do for a living. Uh, maybe there's farmers here, maybe there's builders here, maybe there's mechanics here and all the rest, but have you ever built much with dust, have you? You've ever tried to make much with dust? You ever tried to build? We don't build with dust, do we? And yet here we have the frames that we live in, the bodies that, bodies that we live in, God says they're, uh, uh, they're made of dust. And we need to be reminded of that. Simply that we will, will, will rely more on the mercy of an author, John Lawrence, wrote a book, uh, a, a book's called Down to Earth, and, he, and he, he makes this comment about believers. And he says this, Many believers are sowing wild oats during the week. They go to church on Sunday and pray for crop failure. Many believers are sowing wild oats during the week and then go to church on a Sunday and pray for crop failure. What he's simply saying is many, many believers out there are living lives during the week that they shouldn't be living. They're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. They're, they're taking part in activities that they shouldn't be doing. And they have to come to church on Sunday and praying that what they did will not bear fruit. It is on to argue and the scripture tells us as well that we should not treat sin casually or we should not treat sin like Yes, it's true that God forgives sin, but he's not a God who's mocked. And there always is the laws of harvest. What we sow, we will also get. The main theme of, of the Lamentations is we can never disobey God without consequences. Yes, we can have the mercy of God, but we can never disobey God without the consequences of that sin. This is why God's mercy is referred to here, here, here in Lamentations as new every morning. New every morning. I remember working working with a fella many, many years ago um, and his new wife and she gave him his lunch for work and she gave him his lunch and he, he like, commented on her when he home, you know, really loved those sandwiches that he had to make for me so she gave him the same sandwiches the next day. The good husband, freshly married, he told his wife he loved those sandwiches but those same sandwiches continued for a week after week after week without change. You know, we smile, don't we? 
But you know, as believers, God wants us to come and take the manna of the wilderness. The manna in the wilderness that was new every morning to the people of not to, not to depend or not to gather too much, uh, much as the children of Israel some of them did, but we're to come daily every morning and again partake of the fresh mercy of God for each day. We need to come and realize that, uh, that uh, as we take time and I trust that you do, if, you're, if your days allows it, some people do quiet times in the morning, some people take time with the Lord in the evenings. It's great, it's great in my mind that we can do both. But to take that time each morning and to, and to just rest in the mercy of God, to take a time over, over Scripture and take a short time in prayer, and just to be people that realize as we face a world out there that is becoming ever more antagonistic to the things of God, that we need His grace and we need His mercy as we face each day. The wonderful thing is, and the amazing thing is, we can bring nothing, nothing to God that can warrant us, warrant us. As we come to God each day as believers, we come to Him simply recognizing that it's all of His grace, it's all of His mercy that we have what we have. I wonder if you take the time this morning to just say thank you to God for His mercy in your life. Thank you to God for all the blessings that He's bestowed upon you, for all the gifts that He's given you, whether it's, as I say, family or business or homes or whatever it is. But just thank you, thank God for the mercy that you have. Well, the world that we live in, when you listen to the news or you listen to, to, to the television and maybe different programs, it's becoming more and more of an untitled word, isn't it? This mentality that, that, or this attitude that says, I'm worth it or I'm entitled to that or, or that's my right to have that. And yet, as believers, our right or our worth we don't have. Our right or our worth is based in what we have as believers because we're people who have received mercy. We're people who have received the mercy of God. Satan wants to tell us, that, or Satan wants to not respond and say that we're not worthy or, or we're not um, eligible for that, or he wants to cast doubt on our worth. And we can fire that back and say, yes, you're right, Satan, we're not worth it. But we're people through Christ who have received the mercy we're going to look out around the Lord's table. The first Timothy one talks about Paul's testimony. Paul, the the, the good apostle Paul, he he recounts his testimony, and he recounts all the sinful things that he was, all the things that he did, all the things that were completely wrong, and yet he says, "But what I receive, mercy. What I receive, I wonder as you look at your life this morning, as you look at your life, and um, is there areas in your life that you're not happy with? Is there areas in your life that you need that 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 need to be changed? And Satan's trying to try to get into those areas and trying to cause doubt in your mind and all the rest. We can fight back by saying, "Yes, that's true." But I'm a person who's received the mercy of God. What a privilege this morning to be people that have received God's mercy. What a privilege this morning to, 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 to know sins forgiven. To know that the judgment that we had or, or, or the wrath of God that was ours has been, has been placed in Christ. And we've received his mercy. Mercy is what our covenant heavenly father is. 
Mercy is part of his nature. Mercy is part of his characteristic. Mercy that never changes, never wanes, and never falters. Relationships with the said can change. Um, faithfulness can change. Friendship can change. But the mercy of God can never change and cause it. God doesn't move. God doesn't change. Only this morning you need to come back to him. Only there's someone's morning you need to come back and just again cast yourself on the mercy of God's sickest forgiveness. What's this the one thing that will define us, one thing that will define us all, as we said, we saw that him is coming a day when we all stand in glory. The one thing that will define the rich and the poor, the one thing that will define everybody, the one thing that will, that will, that all of us will be here, will be saved because we received the mercy Only have you ever wondered what heaven's like? Have you ever wondered what, what it's like? And it's, it's hard even with scripture to, to picture to, to picture what it'll be like. I wonder as we walk around heaven, as we meet people, as we meet friends, or we meet people that people that we don't know, they ask them the question, why are you here? And the same answer. Because we received the mercy of God. And the mercy of God is a great level of this morning. Mercy of God brings, brings all of us to the same point of realizing that we need to come to the foot of the cross quite often. Simply cast ourselves on his mercy. Ask for his forgiveness and thank him for all that we have. Just pray that God's word would bless our hearts and that we would be a people that would, that would, that would every morning grasp and dwell on the faithfulness and the mercy of God. Four seconds to the end. Exactly. Let's pray for a moment. Father, just pray that you take these stunning words, 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 words of the speaker, Lord, that you take them and apply them um, by your spirit. That we would again every morning rest and rejoice in your faithfulness, the great faithfulness of God. Lord, we will thank you that your mercies feel not. Lord, we may feel, we may stumble, we may trip up, but your mercy is never feel. as you feel. So Lord, bless your word as your spirit sees this morning, we pray. We ask you to receive your name.